Hey, it's Zach. On this week's episode, we wrap up the regular season in the OUA. We do a little bit more math, and Dakota runs a marathon. All that and more. Apparently, he's barely walking right now. Anyways, all that and more. Let's jump into the action. This is Justice Allen, running back number four for McMaster. It's Eric Starzella, starting left tackle for the Guelph Griffins. Dylan Giffen, left tackle the Western Mustangs. And you're listening to At the 55. At the 55. At the 55. Stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. Okay, let's kick this episode off as we normally do with our Who's Back of the Week. Dakota, you want to start us off? Playoff football, baby. Playoff football is my Who's Back. Enough said. We're going to wrap up this week and we're going to dive into the best type of football and that's do or die football playoff football is my who's back of the week you can't go wrong there playoffs that was a terrible herm edwards impression <laughs> but nonetheless i love it and for myself i'm gonna stick with a, a player i'm gonna give a shout out to josh walsh after the injury he sustained against waterloo a few weeks ago really didn't know what to expect from him it definitely didn't look great the way he went down in that game but he was back in their last outing against laurier and that's obviously a huge piece for them. We've seen now uh, Kasser a little banged up as we go into the playoffs. Uh, his health is obviously going to be paramount to their success defensively and as a team as a whole. But obviously that linebacking core, which is just the crux of that defense, Kasser, Hoyt, Walsh, the three-headed beast there. So having Walsh back in the mix, huge for the Ravens as they look to pull up and up pull off the upset against Guelph in the first round, uh, but we'll get to there uh, a little bit later. Uh, for now, I think that wraps up this section, so let's hop into the first game, the game of the week, the Friday, not even matinee, morning affair, Carlton at Laurier. Final score in this game, the Carlton Ravens 22, the Laurier Golden Hawks 10. This game was in Kitchener, Waterloo. It was the, what do they call it? The The... The school, school game. game, yeah, they brought out all the high schoolers and elementary school kids filling up the stands, and they were treated to a show, but it was the Carlton Ravens show, and for the second week in a row, it was Mr. Joshua Ferguson driving that bus, and when I say driving the bus, I mean he just put everyone on his dang back, and he just kept on chugging. Obviously, as we talked about, this was a do-or-die situation for these teams, a lot of a lot of things could have changed in the standings depending on what happened in this game, but essentially for... Well, actually, no, it's not a do-or-die. It was only a do-or-die for Carlton. My apologies, sorry. This was a do-or-die for Carlton. Laurier died and could have kept on fighting, but they died and stayed dead, and this is now one of the more convoluted things that I've, I've said, I think, on a podcast this year or last year. But I know you have so many feelings about about this game do, do we just jump in head first do we yeah you know i think it's appropriate last week i said that math was my who's back there were a million different possibilities of where people get ranked who gets eliminated the main focus was you know carlton versus lori one of them is going to be eliminated but because math is such you know an academic thing i'm going to go with my uh football iq is going to be my do better of the week. Do better. You got to have better IQ. And this is no insult to any coach or player, perhaps the armchair heroes that want to talk smack online. I love you guys. I love it. It, it fuels me uh, when we get into these uh, lively debates. But so for people who don't know, 
If Carlton lost, Carlton's out. That's it. Simple enough. Now, if Carlton wins, it depends how much they win by if it's Waterloo making the playoffs or if it's Laurier making the playoffs. So if Carlton wins by, I believe it was 17 points or less, then Laurier is out. Mm-hmm. Now, if Carlton wins by 18 points or more, and then Waterloo loses to Mac, which they did, then Laurier or, yeah. makes the playoffs. In spite of the loss. Yeah, even though they lost, and then Waterloo gets eliminated. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I brought this up near the end of the game, or it might have been right after the game, where Carlton had the ball with 27 seconds left. Laurier is down by 12 points. There's no way they're coming back to win the game. The ball is on, I believe, their 47-yard line. There's enough timeouts that Carlton has to run the ball. And I said, and I posted it online. I said, hey, if you're Laurier, do you let Carlton score, get those 18 points, and then hope that Waterloo loses and that you make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. And that just set off <laughs> fire. Just from- set off a fire from players, from coaches, from from just fans in general saying, no, the pride and integrity of the game, and you'll never get someone to ever want to come back to Laurier. And I said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm sorry I'm ranting so much, but I just have so much to say about this that (laughs) if I have a coach that, yes, obviously, you know, as football player, as an ex-football player, I want to win every single game. And I have had seasons like that. Mm -hmm. I had seasons where we've won, like, one game. But if I have a coach that's smart enough to say, hey, guys, we're going to lose this game. Let's be realistic. Let's put our ego and pride aside for a second. We're going to lose this game. But isn't isn't the whole thing to to live to fight another day? Isn't that the, the whole, like, football's a war. Don't you want to live to fight another day? So why are you going to lose by 12 points, be eliminated, your seniors never get to play again, or have the possibility, roll the dice, let them score? Yeah, you know what? For, for a week, you're a talking point. And, hey, that's good. Have more people talk about the OUA, first of all. No one talks about it just us <laughs> but also if have people talk about it and then in three weeks or a year no one's gonna remember nothing and you have a chance anything can happen on any given sunday or saturday at 1 p.m where all the games are scheduled Oy. anything can happen laurier could go on and beat anybody you know they had a bad game but they could beat anyone they put up 50 points consecutive weeks but now you don't have a chance and now it's over and if you had won the yates you'd go down as this is the craziest and most intelligent move ever and yada 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 but you didn't even give yourself that chance. So I don't know if the coaches knew about it. I don't know if it was an integrity thing, but I think it's just a, a football IQ <laughs> level where the fact that no one else is open to this idea is a little bit ridiculous. And, and if you disagree or you agree with me, I'd love to hear it. But I got a lot of messages from players not knowing this is possible and a lot of messages from fans and coaches saying, I would never do this. I have too much pride and integrity. I, I side with you on that. And, you know, you mentioned whether they knew about it i i feel like they they must have wow the players didn't and the, the players were even saying the coaches weren't aware of the math cuz you know I mean, the mindset's always let's go out and yeah, win that's yeah. you know we win we make the playoffs that's all yeah. that matters like that's cuz plan that's, b that's so tough cuz you have to imagine and f- even for the most staunch supporter of no you always play to win you don't you know sacrifice points or anything about integrity or whatever even the most staunch supporter of that if you go into this game, you have like a team meeting and the coach says, look guys, we have two roads to the playoffs. We either win straight up or we lose by 18, whatever the, the, the difference is. And you lay that out and you take a team vote saying like, look, if the chips are down late in the game and we have the opportunity 
to achieve that deficit, do we do so? And I, I feel like that's at least if you are, you know, one of these people clapping back at you about uh, about doing just what we you, we you discussed there. I have to imagine that if you at least go that route and as a team, as a collective, make a decision and be like, what do we want to be remembered by? What do we want to, what's our, what's our gameplay here? And if you decide that like, hey, look, let's make the playoffs by any means necessary, then yeah, go ahead and do it. I, I know I, I'm, I'm equally as, you know, befuddled by all of this backlash towards it. Cause at the end of the day, yeah, make playoffs. And what's so frustrating, watch this game. You mentioned the offense and, what was it, three games in a row, they were scoring 50-plus, right? So off, off, you know, from the jump, number one, actually, I saw a clip of Coach Falls talking about this, where, you know, they put up 10 points, and I, I like this Carlton defense. There's definitely, as you talked about in the last episode, Carlton can be a little tough to, to understand at times, but the defense has been fairly consistent for them. So definitely credit to them, but obviously for Laurier, this is a huge disappointment offensively. First and foremost, that's just... You know, three games in a week, the hottest team in the OUA. Uh, but it's just what really got to me it, that makes this all the more frustrating is just you know how good this defense is. All all the ballers on the defense, how well they were playing. It just it, it's 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 upsetting. You mentioned that they could beat anyone on any given day. That is absolutely true. There is only a handful of teams you can say about in this league that that is you know you don't really. Uh, could they? Well, what about with no? Hundred percent with Laurier, and it, honestly, too, they're one of the few teams that you could say could probably lose to almost any team just because of how up and yeah. down they've been. I, I do have one question for you. Yeah, okay, I'm just gonna pick this date here, October twentieth, two thousand eighteen, McMaster versus Windsor. Do you remember this game? Uh, vaguely. But like, you remember any significant outcomes or anything like that? Um, the fact that you're thinking about it means no. Yeah. The fact that. Next year, if Laurier had done this, no one's probably going to remember it anyway. Roll the dice, make the playoffs. It's so frustrating. What's the back uh, Windsor? It means nothing. Oh. It's a nothing game. It's a game that is the last game of the season. You know, I was gonna I was gonna pick the Waterloo Guelph game, and you might have remembered that. I do remember. Yeah, that the game, double actually. overtime yeah, game. But I'm just game. saying that most people aren't going to remember this. And there was just we'll jump. Sorry, we'll jump right back into the stats in a second. But the people that were saying. This is going to ruin the reputation of coaching. No kids are going to want to go there. What kids are you talking... I'm sorry. I respect I respect a lot of the opinions for the people that were, were coming for me, and I, I didn't really argue with them. You know, I wasn't being one of those trolls on Twitter, but what high school kids are you talking to? Mm. You know, I, I coach high school. Most of them, and a lot of these kids are going D1, D2, getting offers in grade 10 and 11. Most of these kids don't care. Yeah. They, they they see Western like yo Western's sick. I want to go Western, man. Like, I'm sorry for that terrible accent. <laughs> that was just that was my 15 year old accent. Um, but they don't care. It's not going to ruin the recruiting. Yeah. And if it does, cool. Lori has a good program, and they just had a bad game, and they could turn that bad game into a win. But I'm also you know. You are right. Laurie's defense is amazing. I'll let you get back to that, but man, so is Carlton's. You, you Carlton's know what? Is crazy. Let, let's actually just switch sides on that because I'm sure we could keep talking about this for five episode lengths worth. Carlton's defense. We talked Woo! about that linebacking core. Love them. That front seven in general, the defensive line, they've been balling. 
Yo, what about their secondary? What about their secondary? You you want to take? No, nah, the... you got this. You oh, got okay, Mister Danny McWhorter, please stand up. And while you're at it, why don't you get yourself another pick, another batted ball, another? Holy moly! This literally any passing play by Danny McWhorter single-handedly. Just don't throw this man the ball. Oh my goodness! He got targeted. I'm gonna say at least seven times. And what happened in those seven that I'm just pulling out? Of uh, three picks for uh, broken up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And were any of those picks returned for touchdowns? Uh one. Okay. Okay. Cool. cool and 100. Cool, cool. There was at least two other plays where he was, if not, no. Only, yeah, I remember the two p- plays where it's like, oh, he he could have come up with that as well. Probably ended up being credited as, as, as the broken up pass as well. He only had one tackle, which means you should stay away from him more often. <laughs> Oh my goodness, but holy smokes, I can't get over that. And then, you know, just the defense as a whole, Tevin Bowen, you know, a guy that we talked about of late really coming onto the scene, you know, massive player for them. Last year had a great year. This year kind of, I don't know, didn't have a great start, but seven solos, a sack for him on the game. Louis Cavanaugh, another guy that's been huge for them stepping up with all the injuries injuries that they've sustained in that linebacking core. Oh boy, this, you know, it's this team's starting to click at the right time, but you know, moving then from defense back over to offense, though, you know, we mentioned some of the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. The biggest question going into this game was coming off of Ferguson's miraculous 187 three or two three touchdowns he put up against Mac with Nathan Carter being out. If Carter were have were to have returned for this game, what do you do? Well, luckily for Carlton, they didn't have to deal with that dilemma. And even more luckily for them, Ferguson goes out, puts up an additional 142 and a touchdown. The touchdown coming late in the ballgame, sealing the deal for this game. You know, the, the the conundrum still exists, obviously, for them moving forward. I don't know Carter's status. If he comes you back... You gotta go with the hot hand. You go with the... Is, that's you know, what I was I'm, gonna ask you. Yeah, yeah and I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, you go back to... I, I always bring up Western, but Western with, with Joseph and Taylor. Yeah. You know, Joe, not Joseph, sorry. Taylor was the uh, heavy back rotation. Then going to the playoffs, I don't know if it was, I think it was their Vanya year. Joseph got thir- 12 or 13 touchdowns in the playoffs. They kind of went with the hot hand. They went with the the committee, the back committee. Yeah. Committee back. I mean, you know, Running I'm, back by committee. Right now, there you go. <laughs> sorry, I'm just still, still so heated. Um, you go with the hot hand, and there's no problem having both of them. You know, they're both, you know, very powerful backs. It's not a situation where it's McMaster where one's a power and one's like kind of a swing back. You can run with both of them, and they're both going to get you great yards mm-hmm. as long as you let them kind of build up momentum and don't just swap in and out every play. I see no problem with them both being there. And also, if they just go with Carter, if they just go with Ferguson, man, Carlson's hot. Yeah, Carlson's hot. Their defense has been steady, and their offense is starting to get it together, especially with the run game. Yeah, and you know, Terrence Jong, this game, you know, it's not going to blow you away. Thirteen for twenty-two, one thirty-eight, no TDs, no interceptions, but he's done a really great job. You know, improving week after week. You can see that he he looks more comfortable in that pocket, uh, especially comparing him with how he looked week one, week two, early in the season. So really making sure that. You know he's there as well as another option. You know, obviously with the production we just listed out for him, obviously the receivers aren't going to have any blow you off the stat sheet types of games. But you know, they still have the likes of a Loki, Sawyer's. You know, Ferguson and Carter can both impact the game out of the backfield too. So you know, it's really 
this is this could be a scary team in the playoffs. I, you know, I we'll get into uh, the playoff previews uh, later, but you know, as you mentioned, this team's hot and they're hot at the, the just at the right time. Um, so you know, it's going to be trouble for anyone. And another thing that I noticed with Carlton of late that's been a huge trouble uh, issue for them the last few years is the penalties. And you know, they've really started to reel it back. I mean, you you don't love eleven penalties necessarily, but only for a hundred yards you can live with that, especially given how big an issue that's been for this team. Uh, so as long as they can keep that ball rolling, they're going to be they're going to be a tough team to face. Uh, you know, whatever week you get them. You know, they yeah exactly. They're they're on two game win streak. Yeah. Their defense is solid. Like you said, they just got Walsh back. I think the big question is uh, Jack Casser's status right now. Definitely. You know, we saw him go down in that Laurier game. Spoke to him a little bit afterwards. He says, yeah, I was hoping for good recovery. It didn't seem like anything too serious. I highly doubt, you know, it's got to be a concussion or a broken something, which it didn't look like for him to be out of the playoffs. Yeah. Carlton's hot, man. Um, they're, you know, they're not, don't have a great record. With the four and four, but I think it's a stronger four and four than some of the other four and fours we see in the league. Well, it's certainly a stronger four and four than Laurier's four and four because that four and four doesn't have them in the playoffs. Carlton, they do live to fight another day, and they will be traveling to the Royal City to take on my Guelph Griffins in the quarterfinal action uh, this coming Saturday. And as we said for Laurier, well, moving forward. Well, maybe we'll get into a bit of a, a sort of recap of some of the other teams a, a bit later on. But, you know, we kind of went through your piece on that already. Please it's message tough. me. Twitter is at Vine Dakota or the 55 podcast. We have Instagram at the 55 podcast. Um, come to my house. I'll make you, you know, I used to be a bartender. I'll make you a nice beverage. We can have a pleasant discussion. I'll whoop you in Madden. You know, and then you can talk about how Laurier shouldn't have let them score. And I'll say, okay, cool. Turn off your TV. You can't watch the playoffs. Without I, like, I love Laurier. They were my dark horse. But come on, man. You got to do better. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, with that being said, let's move on to the game that Carlton's upcoming opponent was playing in. Those being the Guelph Griffins as they were here in Toronto taking on your UFT Blues. Let's check that one out. Final score in this game, the Guelph Griffins 40, the U of T Blues 26. This game was in Toronto. Dakota, you and I were both there, as we mentioned and said we were there. Another really good crowd there, uh, while it probably was mostly Guelph fans there. Still nice to see that stadium kind of getting filled up. Uh, you know, for U of T, start off with a bang. Start off with... Uh, you he know, wanted it, man. He, he, he wanted it. <laughs> talk, talk to Clay at the York game. Uh, he was one touchdown away from that UFC record. He said he wanted it. Yeah. One play, 99 yards. You know, shout out to Will Corby on that one, getting him that 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 little record breaker right there. But yeah, Clay wanted it. We were worried about his protection with a couple injured O linemen in there, so he wanted to get a touchdown and get out. Obviously, he stayed in. We'll talk about the stats in a second, but he went after it. Well, the number one thing you know is so obvious seeing in this game is. What we've seen from UFT most of the year is is the six out, right? As or as, as Eddie calls it, running their skelly offense, right? Yeah. They weren't running six wide in this game. It was much more four receiver sets, two tight end packages, and a lot of the time it was them with seven guys blocking just the front four of Guelph. They weren't really bringing all that much pressure. 
we kind of had our joke bet, or yeah, I don't think we ended up playing anything on the line for it. The over under of sacks Guelph would get on this game, and I don't think they hit the. I think we called it five and a half. Five and a half, and it was four. I called the under. Dakota wins again. Yeah, I guess so. I'm, but you know, I I I wasn't necessarily anticipating them going with that kind of max protection, but. Maybe I should have, because realistically, if they didn't do that, Clay might not have made it out of that game alive. Well, they didn't have O-linemen, and this isn't a, a do-better yeah. where I'm making fun of them. They literally, they literally didn't. didn't have any O-linemen. Yeah. They had they had defensive linemen filling in for some injured O-linemen. And it, I know they went with the max protection, but like it, it worked. No, 100%. 100% it worked. Um, I'll... I'll, I'll bring this up. We, you know, we didn't necessarily talk about this every episode, but we had the kind of fun bet from earlier in the year where if U of T were to pull off the six and two record and in the process beat Guelph in the last game of the year, I was going to eat my my Guelph Griffin hat. You're not wearing it right now. I'm not wearing it right now. Uh, I'm actually getting it shined. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing you do now, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Just like how you get rings after Yates Cups, or yeah, we, you do that too. Some people Just do that only in Guelph. Only in Guelph, the Royal City, baby. We're uh, royalty. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't bring that up to make fun of U of T. This was such a fun team to watch. Uh, all those uh, guys, you know, we got to meet the Bird Gang. You got to take a little nice, nice little pick with them after the, afterwards. Uh, super nice group of guys. I think the whole Bird Gang is going to be back next year, or most of them are, are going to be back. It seems. Well, when we say most of them, we're we're talking about obviously Corby, Lovegrove, Diodati. Uh, like Michael Lehman, but there are, you know, it is a unit for that. Sure, yeah, yeah. But that, that that core will be back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously still still room to grow with them. Uh, we saw it, all the success they were able to have this year. Two and six, though. You know, when they started off two and one, record-beating offenses, or, you know, a record-beating offense... All these massive performances that Windsor game obviously stands out. The comeback against Waterloo in spite of the loss. The comeback against Laurier. This definitely had the feeling of, you know, perhaps an overused sort of analogy, but the sort of the team of a team of destiny or something this year. Does from what you saw from them, is there what would you say? You know, the, the protection that's obviously a, a big thing for them. How how close are they really from what we've seen this year? Or are the gaps that we do know exist, are they, not to say too large to overcome, but is is it too daunting? Is it going to be, is it, how daunting is it? I think it? the problem, the problem with U of T, we're not going to talk about their passing offense because we know how good it is. Um, and we're not going to talk about the O-line because we know my struggles with them. Um, their defense is okay. And this isn't a shot at any individual player. But when I say it's okay, it's not Mac, It's not Laurier. It's not Carlton. It's not even beat up Western. It's not Guelph. Yeah. And it showed when teams started to realize how to shut down that offense, U of T stayed in games where their defense was laying up 30 points and U of T was scoring 50s. Yeah. Right? So when their offense kind of gets shut down, but teams still start putting up 30s and 40s it's a tough way to stay in the game so and again their defense isn't bad these have a lot of young talent and they have to mature and it's going to be rather quickly unfortunately they have to get their head in the game shout out to high school musical there (laughs) um otherwise it's you're just going to look back on this and be like wow we had this this wasted you know 
Air Force unit that was taking the top off teams and we weren't doing anything about yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Well, you talk about the injuries and switching sides now. Injuries have been such a massive part of the story of Guelph's 2019 campaign with the likes of Eric Starcella at left tackle, him being out, the the running backs, uh, Kwame Osi, Juwan Jeffrey being injured for quite some time, Barney being injured, uh, you know, guys on the defense coming up and down based on their injury status. And in this game, even we saw Keandre Smith, their receiver, him going down because of injury. It finally seems, in spite of that, the, the injury to, to Smith there at the end, though, that a lot of those injuries are finally kind of coming coming together. We, we saw Starcella, Ziggy in pads for the first half. He was getting the Kawhi Leonard treatment, the load management. Definitely good to see him there. I was kind of joking with him afterwards that they might have been doing some scoreboard watching, and if it looked like while they were picking up the win, Mac was getting the loss, that maybe they would play it differently knowing yeah. that they'd be getting the bye. But really, they were just trying to be as tentative with him as possible, which is, you know, uh, full respect for them giving him that space because obviously he not only is such an important part of their team, but, you know, he has a professional career to think of afterwards as well. So good for them for not trying to pressure him back. But a huge part of this, and we kind of talked about this in in a prior episode where Guelph's identity uh, historically, we talk about the defense and then offensively, we talk about about great special teams units. Uh, but the running game, and we finally saw, Ooh. you know, we we saw the great Kane Stevenson performance against Waterloo uh, week three or four, whenever that was. But you know, this performance today, and albeit against the UFT defense, that's you know not not a top defense by any means, but not uh, you know bottom of the barrel. But Kwame Osi picking up 129 yards. You know, Theo Landers with 92. We've seen him pick up yards on, on the ground as well. But Juwan Jeffrey as well, 87. So the, the duo of O.C. and Jeffrey are what are going to be huge for them. And, it, you know, I mentioned this after the Queens game with Juwan Jeffrey picking up the 140-something yards that he had, that it kind of reflected last year's season where with J.P. Simonkinda being sort of the, the, the go-to back, he didn't really get going until late in the year. And it carried into the playoffs at least for the first round or two. Uh, so for Guelph, that's a really positive thing to see. I do not doubt that we'll see hopefully a full game from Starcella come playoffs for the Carlton game this coming week, and obviously that will only further bolster their running game as well. But this is another team that it looks like, you know, they've obviously been very solid all year long, but there's some, some specific things that are really starting to click here late that, you know, we just, we just talked about how, Things are starting to roll for Carlton. Both these teams. That game's gonna be. <laughs> oh boy. My only concern with the uh, with the Carlton matchup, and I'll just touch on it briefly, is yeah. the the turnover problem we saw with Theo Landers in mm-hmm. that game. Yeah, three turnovers. Uh, I think it was three turnovers. Yeah. Um, the interception was not a good ball, and I know uh, Coach Stevenson Bone probably talked to him for a while after that game. Um, but two fumbles, one interception. You know, great. He had two rushing touchdowns and a throwing touchdown. So that's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. But against a team like Carlton, that's not—they're not, not going to let you score four rushing touchdowns. Prove me wrong, Guelph. I would love it, but Carlton's not going to let Guelph score four rushing touchdowns. Yeah. The, the turnovers are become more important in these playoff games, and you just—you just can't have it. So it's really a matter of are they going to improve on that turnover problem that they seem to have in UFT? And again, UFT's not a great defense. So if they're 
forcing fumbles on you with U of T and interceptions. I can only imagine what that linebacker core is going to do, what that secondary is going to do if he's yeah. throwing bad balls. It's going to be a great game. It's just it's just something to kind of look out for. I think the the story of the Guelph Crossing game will definitely be the turnovers. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, but when and not to necessarily stay on that too too much, but I think you know, a matter of turnovers, a matter of penalties, those kind of uh, auxiliary things will be really really important because especially given how how those teams are performing right now you go unit by unit group by group you know you might give an edge one way or the other to one of either Carlton or, or Guelph in any of those categories but as of right now it's it's not 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 massive margins necessarily so I think you're 100% right it'll probably come down to a lot of those types of types of situations special teams as well things of that nature um you know, we talked about the sacks for Guelph, four sacks, you know, despite not getting the over five Under. and a half. You know, still a very strong performance. The names that we're, you know, that we've grown accustomed to seeing, Tavius Robinson getting in there, Joe Reinhardt, Greg Corfield, and Mr. A.J. Allen picking up a sack as well. We talked about last week that he's the, I don't know what the term is, but he's been having all these stats thrown by by the OUA, by the league, by the refs. And it happened again in this game right in front of our darn eyes where on a kickoff, and I'm certain that there's no grand conspiracy theory happening here, but it just, given the wealth of evidence that AJ has sent you with all those clips. It's me, AJ. I'm stealing your stats. <laughs> I run it, I run the league. It's 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 hard not to at least have, have a little laugh at when on a kickoff, 52 goes down there, makes the tackle, and what's on the field but some some laundry the ref threw, calling it back, and, of course, then taking the, the tackle back. Um, but, yeah, for Guelph, bit of a slow start in this one, but they pick up the win fairly handedly. Um, U of T, as we said, a lot of positive things moving forward with this group. I cannot wait to for our offseason, sit down with them to, to go over... You could see a post game talking with them that they are just they're 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 despite the loss despite the season they're riding at such a high because they know what they have there and I think that that's I mean that's massive obviously you have to believe in yourself to you know, to be able to have the success be able to make playoffs make an impact make a run at a Yates Cup number one you have to believe in yourself and you know this team has the swagger they have that intensity. It's just a few of those things that you touched on that will just take them. I mean, it's a team that that two and six could have been six and two, and you wouldn't really have bad an eye. Yeah, double down on that bet next year. <laughs> well, we'll come up with something a little more creative, maybe. Uh, well, I don't know how you get more creative than eating a hat, but I digress. So for Guelph, they are returning home to take on Carlton in the first round of the playoffs. There for U of T, well, they will be hitting the links, or well. I guess they won't be golfing this time of year, but whatever they'll be doing, they won't be playing football right now. But we still, obviously, uh, you know, big shout out to them with what they did this year and, and looking forward to them. So with that being said, let's move on to our next game. Take a look at the York Lions versus the Queens Gales. Final score in this game: the Queens Golden Gales twenty-three, the York Lions two. This game was in Kingston. It was Queens homecoming, as you had mentioned. The engineer students. Uh, we're out there waving their jackets and, and, and whatnot. You know, this was a game that uh, I picked York in. Yeah, that's because you wanted to win the overall. Because I wanted to win the overall how'd for that, the, for the pick. For Didn't turn out too well. And, you know, I Who was, won? Well, oh, wait, was, was it you? Did you end up pulling it up? Oh, my God. Can't see, but I'm flexing. Well, well me and Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, congratulations. Uh, but, you know... 
coming off of that game against Toronto, thought that maybe they'd be able to keep the ball rolling. Hunchak obviously back in there for them. Uh, Slinging the ball around the defense was looking really sharp. And, you know, when I first, because we were at the Toronto game and we were getting the updates from this one, I was catching the scores and I was like, gosh darn it, York, what do you... You you got me all hot, like hyped up on this on this Lions train. I gave you the roar on the last episode, as embarrassing as it was. <laughs> and obviously, you don't you don't want to see injuries, but it did make a little more sense when watching the game the day after, seeing Hunchak goes down pretty early in the in the fourth quarter. So you know, before we really get into this game, you know, Hunchak, Brett Hunchak. Definitely one of the best quarterbacks in York Lions history. Really great career there. You know, last year was really a special season for them. Him and Colton doing the Hunchak name proud. Definitely not the end to his career that he, well, I imagine he would have wanted with the injuries, with the lack of team success. But in spite of all that, you know, still for everyone involved in that program and, and everyone around the league to know. How good you know Brett Hunchak will uh, was, you know it's it's kind of similar with. Well, I mean his his career is only in his third year, but you know we've talked about with with Sam Gerrard how talented he is, and not to let the the team success or lack thereof cloud that ability. So for Hunchak, see Hunchak's in his third year. No, no, a Gerard. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, in, so in that his story has, has yet to be yeah. fully told. Uh, so, so we'll see where that goes. But just in the way that we talk about him, not necessarily that he might fly under the radar because of the team, but that what he's been able to do over his career um, is is been has been exceptional. So big shout out to Brett Hunchak. Uh, whatever you do moving forward in your life, whether football related or otherwise, you know, big ups to you. Best of luck moving forward. Um, it was it was a pleasure watching you. Um, now with the rest of this game, sticking with the quarterback position, moving over to the Queen side of things, this has been something that we've talked about a good a good deal. The Keenan Lacandro back and forth. I don't, I don't know if controversy is the right word for it. Uh, it was James Keenan all the way in this one, going tw- uh, 16 for 26 and two touchdowns. Uh, only 22 yards on the ground, but in in very James Keenan fashion, as we've seen at different points during the year, he's got a a a, a fairly impressive escapability in the pocket. Even if it doesn't necessarily net him many yards, he he's like the greased up deaf guy from Family Guy running around there sometimes, where he just like. <laughs> Thanks to go ahead. No, that's. that's Fairly accurate description of it in, in my estimations, um, but he's a ton of fun to watch out there. Um, Rashid Tucker having another solid game for them in the backfield, um, and the defense is always playing really strong for them. Dakota, have you recovered yet? It's <laughs> my favorite character. It's so inappropriate. <laughs> Continue, please. No, that's I, I don't know what what do we want to say about this one. I got a question for you here. Yeah. You know, obviously you spoke about how great um, Hunchak's career was at York. Obviously not the game you wanted to go out on. I feel like U of T probably wanted to end on that game. That was a solid game for the whole team. I've had I've had my qualms with York. I still may have my qualms with York. <laughs> um, after watching a full season of them play, 
it may be more so on the organization side. I'm trying to put this in a way that's not going to ruin my career, um, as opposed to the player side yeah, of things. Yeah. But you're York right now, okay? You just lost Hunchak. You just lost Janky. You know, you still got some solid players. Maybe you got some good recruits. We'll talk about that in the offseason. Where are we looking at for offense now? Are you relying on Noah Craney? Mm-hmm. Are you bringing someone in on the chance that it's going to make him better? Um, I've played in a system where um, sons have played for their parents. And I'm not saying any which way that ever, you know, Donnie Marshall, Brian Marshall, Tommy Marshall, all amazing athletes. Mm-hmm. But there is a little bit of politics in football. Sure. There's, there's a lot of politics in football. And does that affect the choice of, of York where they're going to go moving forward with their offensive program? It's a pretty loaded question. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, there's, there's so much in there. I mean, A lot of that is going to obviously come down to the, the recruiting class, like who they can bring in as far as the, who's going to be in charge of that offense uh, at quarterback. You know, we've seen a lot. We ended up seeing probably a lot more reps from Noah Crane this year than we probably anticipated. Um, not a world beater. To, you know, this is the facts. Like when you go through those performances this year, uh, not to say he won't get better, not to say that he, he, he can't improve. But definitely doesn't look like he's necessarily ready right now. Not to say that he won't be offensively. I really liked what we saw from some of their younger running backs, Darnell Jarrett. You know, uh, Brian Deans looked really good for them as well. Jackson Hume, another nice player as well. So it's it's tough. Like I, I feel like there's, I there, there's so much just. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of good things, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that need improvement for this team. Uh, but I just don't know what the main focus has to be. Does it, like you said, is it just a a top down method where if if say there's a, a new leadership that that they actually that the pieces are right? Because sometimes you know you see we've, countless examples through all any number of sports where the same crop of guys with just a different direction can have success in other instances random thought for all you definitely hockey fans out there st louis blues last year were last in the league in january and switched the coach ended up winning the stanley cup like is it a coaching like you're saying is it a coaching thing is it a player thing we've seen we've seen glimpses of a team that can compete yeah mac yeah compete against mac the the laurier game was really tight for a lot of it they obviously took out uft in grand fashion in the red and blue bowl so i mean this team's such a conundrum for for that very reason i mean we mentioned on the defense a lot of the players that we've liked over the over the season and the receiving core guys that we like so it's tough i mean at the very least they're able to get some of these players in there no doubt and over the years i can think back to countless number of players that from Metro, our Metro Toronto days that have gone there, top talented athletes. I know a lot of them had kind of one and done situations, and maybe that's a whole other issue to deal with with, with York. I don't necessarily know what it is. I'm excited to get do our off season talk. If I reached out to a couple guys and they all said I got to talk to some people to get a release, and I haven't heard back from them, so maybe mm. people are being told not to talk to us. But every other school <laughs> seems to like us. 
Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. I you know I I don't want to get too in depth in it right now because I I really don't know what to say about this York team moving forward. I don't think that's necessarily uh, that that it's going to be negative, but I just it's it's so tough. There's so many balls in the air with, with this club. Um, so but let's let's move over to a team that has a more a more certain direction at least. That being this Queens team taking the win, ending their season on a very positive note. Nice three and five finish on the year, finishing on their homecoming. Um, you know we've talked all year about the young coaching staff, young team, and how that's going to 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 blossom for them. And you know I you see all the makings of that looking through through the way this team has progressed a year. Uh, pardon me, week after week, that offensive lines really gelled together. We've seen some injuries on that uh with that unit but as the years gone by you uh, the, the weeks gone by you really seen them come together tucker you know love what we've seen when he's been healthy this year and with both quarterbacks a lot of potential so while i've obviously talked a lot about the the need and i say that with you know air quotes around it to figure out which of these two guys you you will be your quarterback next year that's one of those good problems to have where you have two talented players slinging the rock back there I believe Lacandra's a true freshman, Keenan in his second year, so both super young. So one of those good problems to have. It's gonna be really exciting to watch this team moving forward. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know, it's it's obviously a couple different bounces go this season, and they could have been in the playoffs as well. So you know, having success before we thought they would have, and you know, sure to have plenty of success going into the future. Yeah, I think they got a great future uh, with the young talent they have there, the new coaching system they have. They kind of finished. I thought they'd maybe go uh, two and six, three and five is very similar. They kind of finished exactly where we thought they were. Looking back at it, you know, seeing as Windsor went one and seven. I'll say they stole a win from Windsor because I thought they both go two and six <laughs> in that situation. But no, they got a great future, a lot of young talent. Uh, team loves playing together from what it, the guys I've spoken to. It's it's going to be exciting to see in the next couple of years, and I hate saying that about Queens, but that's just the Western in me. <laughs> no, you're, you're truly loyal to your colors, and no no problem with that. Um, so I really don't have too, too much else to talk about this game. There's so many other games that would... Just- dying to get into and obviously looking forward to the playoffs and everything so to both these teams big salute um queens obviously love the direction you're going york not too sure but it's not it's not necessarily negative hunchak love loved watching over the last few years best of luck to you moving forward and we will do the same moving forward into our next game university of ottawa visiting the western mustangs Final score in this game, the Western Mustangs, 32. The Ottawa GGs, 23. This game was in London. It was their their homecoming, too, or whatever it is. Their whole situation's weird with their homecomings. You kind of went over it last week. This is the, this is the nonsense homecoming. The nonsense homecoming. Um, and, well, this game turned out, in terms of outcome, probably how anyone following this league would have expected. Score a little tighter than perhaps anticipated. Funny enough, we talked about with Ottawa, can their defense win them games? And while they obviously didn't win this one, we saw Cody Cranston, as we've seen a few times throughout the year, taking an interception back to the house. So I don't have the numbers in front of us, but I won't be surprised if uh, upon a quick calculation that Ottawa's defense might have been the top scoring defense in the league, which, as we said, is going to be given some of the players on offense for them one of the 
you know roads to victory that they have to pursue in this one. Um, now, as we mentioned, we were both at the U of T game, so weren't able to watch this one live. And upon trying to watch it on the OUA on-demand stream function, whatever, it wasn't working either. So I don't. I this is a complete box score game uh, for me. I know you have a bit more insight uh, with some of your, your your Western connections, but the big I'd say top story to talk about here is the some of the records that that Mark Leggio was able to uh, to break in this one. Do you have the numbers in front of you here? So I got I got one in front of me. Um, <clears throat> with the the six field goals he had in that game, he now has the U Sports record for most uh, successful field goals with ninety two in his career. Um, I'm trying to pull up the stats I have. I know he broke, I believe it was the uh, the U Sports or the OUA record for most points off the top of my head. I want to say it was 498 career points, something like that. Um, I'll have to look it up a little bit more here. Yeah. This is just my bad. No, that's Um, all good. So while you do that, we'll go over some some more of the stats and something some things to take away from this game. For Ottawa, it was Matt Mahler from start to finish at quarterback for this team. We saw him coming in last week, and while it didn't look like Miracle got injured, that prompted his coming into action. Mahler, that is, uh, he's listed on the participation sheet for this game. So I don't know if they just made the switch and are going with Mahler now. But he finished 20 for 37, 245 yards, two TDs, one interception. So, you know, not not a bad game against them, against a, you know, a strong defense, albeit one that's been banged up um, at times throughout the year. Jordan Berger, you know, quieted down from some of the performances we've seen over the recent weeks, only 76 yards on the ground, no touchdowns. We've obviously seen a lot of big performances by him. Of course, we have to take into account the defense he's playing. In these Western Mustangs, um, and then you know a name that we've thoroughly become accustomed to for the GGs in terms of production at the receiving position, Carter Matheson having a great game with 154 yards and one touchdown. Um, so you know whether or not this move to Mahler was necessitated via an injury or not, it, it definitely looks like he's this should be his position moving forward unless Bittner makes some a, a, a miraculous comeback. Uh, it, in the playoffs, you know, this is a team where defensively we've seen that they can hang with teams solely by virtue of how stout that defense is. They got the receivers. They have uh, some really solid running backs. It's really going to come down to that quarterback position. And you know what? This type of performance, if Mahler, if this can be an average performance, if it can be what Mahler gives you, 100%, this gives this Ottawa team a chance to win. Maybe not necessarily against the likes of Western, but in some of those matchups, I'll, you know, for example, they get the home game against Waterloo. That's going to be really interesting. We've seen now water, a few times this year, Waterloo uh, offensively, they can be stymied. We saw it against Guelph a bit. We saw it this past week against Mac. Can Ottawa do that as well? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that bears out this coming Saturday. But do you have uh, the stats? I do. On? So I got yeah. I got the stats here. I was close, but I was a little off. He has 441 career points, which is an OEA record. Um, a fun tidbit for all you listeners out there. Um, and I'm going to butcher his name, even though I went to school with him. Lira Maharilaru uh, had the previous record of 422 points, also went to Western. That record was set on the exact same day 
that Mark Leggio hit his 441st point. He didn't break it on that day, but that's both games were on the exact same day. Very and both nice. records solidified on the exact same day. Illuminati confirmed. I would hope that, and this isn't anything against Leggio, I'd hope he doesn't come back to Western because he just <laughs> needs to go to the CFL. He's got a he's got a leg both in his name and on his foot. That doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm new to this anatomy stuff. I'm fresh in school. We'll just cut all of that last part. Um, so huge game for Leggio. You know, when you look at the stats offensively for Western, it, it's kind of confusing at first. You know, as I already said, didn't get to watch this game. But, you know, you go through the stats and, you know, Merchant didn't throw for any touchdowns. He ran for one. Femi Cole had a touchdown. And you're trying to think, like, so where do these 32 points come from? And, well, it comes in the form of Mark Leggio. And what did you say? Yeah, six for seven on the field, uh, field goals for the game. So... You know, you can go through, I'm sure, plenty of other great kickers that have been there for the Mustangs. Recent history, yeah, Hirolahu, um and, and Zach Medeiros. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, it's it's funny to think that for all the great quarterbacks, running backs, defensive players, offensive linemen, pretty much every position that this team has had, uh, the best you can have. It it do, it doesn't stop offense and defense. Special teams is is just as impressive as anything else this team puts out there. So for Western, a bit of a weird. I'm curious on your take on this. A, a kind of weird way to end the season in that you had that the incredible game against Waterloo, then you get your bye, then you get this kind of weird game against Ottawa, and then they get another bye, and then then they get a playoff game. Is it just me? That, and I'm not like I'm. Not saying that this is, you know, this means Western's going to get knocked out in the semifinal or anything like that. But is it just me that this, or or, or does it seem like this is a weird kind of stretch at the end of the season? What's your take? It could be, but it could also just be, you know, let's just get the win. May let's try a few new things. It doesn't matter what we do. It didn't really matter after week six so much, you know. They they have the spot. Yeah. Why why try anything spectacular? Why really run our guys into the ground? Um, you know, Trey Humes had 18 attempts, which is you know pretty solid. But everyone else low rushing numbers, average amount of passing numbers, like attempts. But it's unfortunate that we didn't really get to watch this game live because I'd have a better intake on it. But yeah. I just don't you know why 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 yeah. why do they need to do all this stuff? Yeah, it, it's weird being like, okay, Ottawa. Ottawa's a great defense, and I've we've talked I've talked about it so much in the past that they could have really stifled that offense. But who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, a, as a Western, as a Western, like who, Greg Marshall cares. He wants to put up fifty points every single game. But even Eddie was saying he'd be, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, I'm to be surprised if Chris Merchant plays the whole game. He he did, but who cares? Yeah. Uh, you know, last thing I'll say on this game, uh, sticking with the Ottawa defense. Tremaine Steven, Rashawn Davis, both picking up a sack in this one. Incredible years for them. I, I mean, there's so many good linemen throughout the the OUA this year. But I would, I would definitely expect, hopefully, one of those guys making an All Star team. If not, the hugest, the largest of honorable mentions that you can give to those guys because they've had incredible years. Uh, getting off the quarterback from. Uh, from that first game against Mac all the way through this one, and I assume it'll carry through into the playoffs where they will be back at home this coming Saturday where they will welcome in uh, Waterloo 
And uh, for Western, they obviously get their second bye week in, well, in, in as many weeks now. The whole uh, season's a bye week. Yeah, well, eh, I won't touch that one. Um, but yeah, let's move on to uh, our last game now. The Waterloo Warriors at the McMaster Marauders. Final score in this game, the McMaster Marauders 31, the Waterloo Warriors 14. This game was in Hamilton. And as you had mentioned earlier, this was the game that would have allowed for that weird Laurier sneak-in situation. But we don't need to readdress that uh, that one in this one. For Mac, obviously, huge win because they seal up the second spot in the OUA, securing themselves a bye week for the first round of the playoffs. For Waterloo, obviously, they're in the playoffs. But it's another 4-4 four and four year. And it, <laughs> uh, it, there's too much... There's just so much talent on this team. It just gets it just gets frustrating that they perpetually stuck at this record. It seems like, um, and you know, not not a, not an overly great performance by you know some of the guys that we expect to see. Trey Ford stifled a little bit. Only 157 on on the ground, one interception, no TDs. You know, in the air. Oh, what did I say? Oh, 157 in the air. Um, only 37 on the ground as well. Dion Pellerin slowed down a little bit. 89 as well but uh offensively let's talk about mcmaster uh because we were you know much like as we talked about with carlton in sort of projecting what they might do with both ferguson and carter we've talked about with mcmaster having both allen and lions and stylistically with them being somewhat polarizing players in how they they you know get their yards, whether you need to make a decision one way or the other, kind of seemed like they decided you know what, let's go. Yeah, whatever. Both. Just you know, I told them last week you have to decide: are you smash? Are you dash? And they said, "Fuck you, Dakota. We're just gonna get you know over 100, 250 yards on the ground with two guys." Would you like super salad? Both. Just whatever. Yeah, pour my soup, my salad, and call it a touchdown. I don't. I don't care. Um, obviously, I'm ecstatic for for Justice Allen, um, as you know, he's one of the players that I actually know personally. Loved his touchdown run. Um, it's it's got to feel great to have that kind of performance going into the bye week. Um, obviously, McMaster is trying to lock up this second seed, get a bye week, rest, really prepare, see who they're going to have to face, but also just having that confidence in having the win. It's a little extra bonus um, to go in. Duick looking almost human, maybe a little bit. Still spreading the ball ridiculous amounts. Yeah, to everybody. I think I think I got a pass when I was at the U of T game. <laughs> Threw me the ball once, um, but a little a little human in the sense where you know two touchdowns, two interceptions. It's nothing to to write home about. But then it, again, showing us that McMaster has this this powerhouse in the backfield that we haven't seen in the last couple weeks, and it's still there. It's still very present, and. Then even flipping to the other side, defense, where is Waterloo not a one-trick pony, but if you shut the one pony down, everyone else kind of suffers. Well, you mentioned with Dewitt getting slowed down a little bit, or looking a little more human, the two interceptions, and, and, and whatever you want to say about this Waterloo defense, and obviously losing Hinsberger before the season even started was massive in terms of their, well, their defense as a whole, but that the run game in specific, no doubt, struggled as a result. But this team gets picks. 
you know, if you go through the the, the interception leaders, you know, you have Tyrell Ford up there at the near the top with four interceptions. Lau Fresha has three. Deshaun Jupiter Dean has three as well. So obviously they have some ballers in the secondary who can make plays happen. But I almost wonder if that has more to do with when you have such an explosive offense. Obviously this game being uh, somewhat of a, a, an asterisk on, on what I'm going to say here. But when you have such an explosive offense and you're putting up points, you force teams perhaps to go into situations where they have to throw a little bit more, giving your secondary some more opportunities. So maybe it's a little bit of that. But once again, like you know, in the top like seven, in the top seven leaders of interceptions. You no, but I'm but I'm but sorry. And what I was just mentioning, just saying, McMaster's defense. Oh, shutting down oh, the one. The one oh. The potential one-trick gotcha. pony that is oh. Waterloo is Waterloo one-trick pony because we've seen that games that Trey Ford has struggled in mm-hmm. that the team struggles. And yes, you could say that about any team quarterback, but Trey Ford isn't just a regular quarterback. Reigning MVP can score five touchdowns in a game, run for 200 yards, pass for 400 yards. In games that he struggles, yeah. which, let's be real, they, they've they lost three in a row. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is not a good a good couple weeks going into a playoffs where they have to travel. The, but, you know, even going into this week, though, I felt that despite the losses to Western and, and Laurier, there was so much positivity to take out of that. You know, you have the obvious unfortunate, unfortunately timed fumble at the end of the, the Western game, setting up the Legio field goal to win it. You have the crazy triple OT game against Laurier, but through all that, it it was reminiscent of just what had gotten them to where they were at that point in the year thus far, which was high octane offense and a defense that you know is going to give up is going to give up points. So it, I, I I don't necessarily group the whole. I mean, three game winning, three game losing streak is definitely isn't good. But to me, this game in particular, especially given the fact that for Waterloo, you know. This was the playoffs weren't a sure thing. I mean, I, I actually, I guess going into this game, but at that point, it was a sure thing because the Laurie game was done with. But it, you know, you, you talked about the Western game. Maybe they kind of sleptwalked their way through that that win against Ottawa. I sure as heck hope that, despite Waterloo knowing that 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 a playoff seed, regardless of where it was, was locked up for them. I sure as heck hope that that didn't cause them to take the foot off the gas in this game at all but at the same time I also think that offensively you know I give Mac all the credit in the world for their defense I'm fairly certain Waterloo should be able to score more than 14 points against McMaster maybe it's just one of those any given day type situations obviously when you have Mac at home that crowd gets really into it it definitely is one of the the real true home field advantages in the league save for any argument you want to make based on travel and, and things like that that Ron Joyce gets loud it, it, it is hard to hear when you're in the huddle on the line of scrimmage things like that but you know just to touch on what you said three game losing streak you definitely don't like to see but this one was more of a curiosity to me than the other two the other two reflected what we expect for Waterloo this one the second time I think this year that we've seen them falter as a result of, of Trey Ford just not being uh, the Trey Ford that, that we've come come to know uh, and, and expect out of him. 
Whether that's going to be indicative of what they can do moving forward, it's going to be hard to you know hard to project that. But they are traveling to Ottawa to take on another really strong defense and specifically a really strong secondary as well. Is that me saying that I think it's well? I guess that that leads save it, me. save the say okay. Save we won't get with it. it. We won't get it. I'll, I'll zip it on that. Um, but you know, a, t- a tough finish for Mac though. On the other hand, really great finish to the season because we obviously saw coming out of the bye, they had that tight win against Toronto at Varsity Stadium, um, and then you have the loss to Carlton last week. Where sure the offense looks a little stronger, but you give up all those yards on the ground. To, uh, to the Ravens. So it seems like you know those past two, the past two weeks coming out of the bye, you had the defense perform uh, incredibly well against Toronto. The offense kind of lacking a little bit. You had the game against Carlton where the defense falters a little bit. The offense steps it up. This game, both facets of the game uh, of the of uh, offense and defense really came together strong for McMaster. And this is a team that we talk about with their offense is so well-rounded that kind of just encapsulates this team as a whole. The defense is probably where they would hang their hat if you were to say, what is this McMaster team do better than anything else in the game? But nonetheless, what makes them so deadly and what makes them a legitimate Yates Cup threat for this year is the fact that they'll get you on every single, every single snap, no matter whether it's offense, defense, special teams out there. They can do it all. And so while for Waterloo... Uh, definitely not the game you want to see. You know, you can take a lot out of a loss, but for McMaster, a phenomenal way to, to wrap up the season. Really well-deserved bye week for them for the first round of the playoffs, and you know, it'll be so exciting to see who travels down to Ron Joyce to take them on going into the uh, semifinals of the Eights Cup playoffs. So with that being said, that wraps up the Week 9 action in the OUA, so let's move on. Now moving forward to the OUA quarterfinal action. Let's start off with the first game. We have the Waterloo. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. We're going to do something different. We're going to split this up. They got their week nine. Let's give them a little break to digest it. And let's give them a little playoff preview. You know, we'll cut into our, our award winners, who we think is going to come out on top in the quarterfinals. Maybe a little bit of bonus mailbag, but that's it. Cut this episode. Are we doing a cliffhanger? Oh my gosh, I've always wanted to do a cliffhanger. This is amazing. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for us here at the 55. We'll see you later on this week.